same me, I can't pronounce shit. So. Yeah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Greetings from the past. Yeah. Um, hang on. Hang on. We're still recording this. In Did that work? <laughs> Did you what? hear it? No. Oh, I put my hand on Felix and he went. Oh, <laughs> cat activation maker. He's my noisemaker every year. Yeah. Um, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hi, that's Haley. Hi, yeah. I'm Caitlin. Hi, this is Crime Culture. It is. And it's 2024. It is 2024. We're still here. Yep. <sighs> still here. <laughs> Big sigh. <laughs> unfortunately, we are still here. Um, not unfortunately. Just happy to be here was, on the podcast. We're happy to be here with you. On the planet Earth. Hanging out. Still down the street. Struggling. Um, but yeah. yeah, first episode of the year. What are we talking about, Hale? We are talking about, uh, and when I brought this up to my husband, he said, that's true crime. We're oh, talking no. about Mount Everest. <laughs> that's true crime. We'll get to it. <laughs> we will get to it. Uh, but I just, before, I had to... before we get to the actual, uh, crime or, um, dangerous situations that can happen on Mount Everest or, uh. We're going to talk about the mountain itself. If you okay. don't know, Mount Everest is the Earth's highest mountain above sea level with a peak elevation of 29,031 feet and eight and a half inches or 8,848.86 meters. That's a lot of eights. That's it? Yes. It is located. <laughs> I'm sorry. Run up it right now. It is located in the Himalayan mountain range and the summit is right at the China-Nepal border. Oh. There are two main climbing routes, one approaching the summit from the southeast in Nepal, known as the Standard Route, and the other from the north in Tibet. The I don't know why I thought it was more northern. Yeah? Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know where I got this idea. I don't know. I've never been either. to any of these places. No, uh, neither have I. I would only ever want to see Mount Everest from the ground or a plane. And or I think a that's picture. it. <laughs> Or a picture, yeah. I'm not a snow bitch. I'm not a no. winter bitch. So no. like anything that and I hate, I hate an Double uncovered hate. hike. Yes. Which, yeah. If I have to Agreed. hike with no like trees or anything or like the worst. Yeah. I love the desert. Hiking in the desert can be really fun if there's like cool rock formations. But yes. um, if but it's there's just still out, cool rock formations. Yeah. That counts as a tree. And uh, the worst part of hiking is like steep elevation gain. Yep. And hate uh, that. fuck this. But Absolutely anyway. Absolutely not. The average summit of Everest consists of a trek to base camp around eight days at an average pace, which will take you over halfway up the 5,300 meters or 17,388 feet. I'm going to switch between meters and feet here a lot. Um, mm -hmm. From there, it's another 40 days of climbing and acclimatization to the altitude and low oxygen levels to reach the peak. So you're hanging out at base camp and doing like different like little exploratory hikes up before you get to the next camp. And then you hang out there for a little while. Then you go to the next camp. I think there's four or five other camps before you actually reach the, the summit past base camp. Okay, that's not terrible. It sounds horrible. The average cost of an expedition. <laughs> I tried to be positive. Guess I what tried. The, guess what it. Guess what the average cost is to to go on an Everest expedition. You're paying for so much 
uh, equipment. Equipment. You have to pay people like guides. Yeah. Um, you have to fly there. You have to get yourself there. This is. It takes I'd eight s- days just to get to base camp, and then another forty days. So this is like almost like two, three months that you gotta I'd, like factor into this. I'd say like a hundred fifty to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Not too, not as bad. This is also not. In, okay. If it was in the U.S., it would be like a million dollars. Yes, but yes, this that's is, what I'm thinking. Is US this dollars. is in the China Nepal border? It's between thirty-five thousand and a hundred thousand dollars. Plus an oh, additional that's more attainable. Yeah. Plus an additional twenty thousand dollars in miscellaneous expenses like gear and bonuses, mm. like tipping people, you know? Right. Yeah. Oh, so God. the first recorded efforts to reach Everest Summit was made by British mountaineers because the Brits gotta do everything. They gotta conquer everything first. Cheerio pip pip. Hi Kim. Hi Kim. <laughs> we love you (laughs) because nepal did not allow foreigners to enter the country at the time the british made several attempts at the north ridge route from the tibetan side maybe that's where i'm getting this idea from maybe because i vaguely remember learning this in school Mm -hmm. so maybe north ridge just got stuck in my head i don't know go ahead maybe after the first reconnaissance expedition by the British in 1921 reached 22,970 feet on the North Call route, the next year's expedition pushed the North Ridge route up to 27,300 feet, uh, marking the first time a human had climbed above 26,274 feet. Oh, wow. The 1924 expedition resulted in one of the greatest mysteries on Everest to this day, which could be its own episode but we're going to talk about a couple different things in this so this uh this expedition was george mallory and andrew irvine they made the final summit attempt on june 8th 1924 but they never returned and it sparked debate to this day whether they were the ones to first reach the top that's a good question yeah so did they get to the top and then struggle coming down down. yeah or did they (sighs) never make it in the first place so that's really and does it count like it's kind of like an if a tree falls in a forest i guess kind of question like does it count if they made it to the top but nobody knew yeah well their names are not the ones that are um attributed to that first summit that is tenzig norgay and edmund hillary they made the first documented ascent of everest in 1953 using the southeast ridge route Norgay had reached 28,199 feet the previous year as a member of the 1952 Swiss expedition. The Chinese mountaineering team of Wang Fuzhou, Gongpo, and Kui Yinmao made the first reported ascent of the peak from the North Ridge on May 25th, 1960. And by far the most important part of even attempting to summit Mount Everest are the Sherpa and the other mountain guides. The Sherpa are a Tibetan ethnic group native to the mountain regions of Nepal. And many are highly regarded as elite mountaineers and experts in the local area. They are so valuable to early explorers of the Himalayan region serving as guides at the extreme altitudes of the peaks and passes of the region today the term is often used by foreigners to refer to almost any guide or climbing supporter hired for mountaineering expeditions in the himalayas regardless of their ethnicity Mm -hmm. because of this usage the term has become kind of a slang term for a guide or mentor in these situations but it's not just the sherpa that help people up everest there are many 
alpine guides that do the trip every single year um but the sherpa people were kind of the first people to take people up okay that's interesting and um my mom will often have uh she'll like hear a piece of information or read a book or something and say that um we're never allowed to do it um <laughs> like we're never allowed to go on a cruise Fair. And um, she said, I'm never allowed to be a Sherpa, which now I know I can't be a Sherpa because say. that is an ethnicity. But she meant it in the slang terms, like I can never be yes. the people that guide people up Mount Everest. And to do that, I would need to have done it at least once. So um, that's also going to be a hard note for me. it would be something you'd want to do. So. Yeah. But she read a book about um, one of the guides and she was like, absolutely not. That sounds like, uh, <laughs> that sounds horrible. <laughs> making lisa proud yeah so now we're getting into some more of the true crime aspect um some of here's some of the deadly stats about mount everest it's not not all sunshine and rainbows here um not all obviously that journey up the mountain make it back down or even all the way up for that matter while not posing a substantial technical climbing challenge on the standard route Everest presents dangers such as altitude sickness, weather and wind, as well as hazards from avalanches, avalanches and the Kumbu icefall. Um, and the Kumbu icefall we'll talk about a lot. It's a section that is not far from base camp. It's a little bit North of it. And it's okay. considered the most dangerous portion of the Southern route due to its constant glacial movement snow bridges concealing crevices and overhanging ice blocks that can open or collapse with very little warning there's a very short window of um when you can actually climb in this area because mm -hmm. um if it gets too warm in the just the warmth of the day stuff starts to melt and then stuff starts to move so oh. if you're caught in this area during an avalanche or a movement event, there's very little that climbers can do to avoid injury because the topography doesn't let you move fast. Um, there have been 44 deaths in this area alone from 1953 oh. to 2016. So Holy this shit. is very, very dangerous. If I watched a couple documentaries on Everest for this episode, and as you can uh, imagine, it's extremely hard to get any equipment that you can't just carry on your back up there mm. so lots of times when you're going across crevices they are just like home depot aluminum ladders tied to each other across a giant crevice in the ground crevasse promising crevasse drop um, a pop tart in the crevasse dude it sounds it, it looks i would throw up i i wouldn't like Michael and a couple of our friends hiked Angel's Landing in 2023. Yeah, unprepared, too. Unprepared, just up and... In sneakers. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> Don't even get me started. And thank God I didn't find out about this until after they had done it, because I would have had an attack. Um, I like the thought but, of doing Angel's Landing, but it's too crowded. Just Like, we'll talk about it. Everest well, is too fucking crowded, so it doesn't the, make it the enjoyable. Yeah. There's these crevasses. Like, it's dangerous. People die. I don't... Mm, there were, I, I am not a fan of doing things where death may be involved. There were a couple really cool hikes that I wanted to do in Acadia when Elliot mm -hmm. and I were there for our honeymoon. But mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. there was... Like, obviously, it's Maine. And yeah. Maine in the fall is very wet. It yeah. is raining a lot. So yeah. there were, like, a couple days where we had pretty decent Maine. weather, but 
it had just rained, so it's slippery. And I was like, yeah. I don't trust myself. It's not even not even, and but it's not just about not trusting yourself. It's also you don't know the experience levels of other people. Yeah, that you are amongst when you're not like not even in your party, but that you're just like hiking near or alongside where you'd have to be hella on your game if you're if you're even an iota of not being confident in your abilities then it's just not yeah so like i bowed out of that one but hopefully i'll be able to go back and like do something cool like if you're gonna go to if you're gonna go to a cool place like everest uh maybe do your research first and do a couple of uh preparation hikes we'll talk about a couple of people who have not decided to do that great so as of december 2022 332 people have died on everest oh my god yes as Uh, as of one more time that date as of december 2022 so as of yeah that's what i thought you said yeah yeah that's a that's just over a year like yeah i don't know how many people died on everest this year um Deaths have been attributed to many things, including natural disasters, such as avalanches and falling ice, but more often than not, failure of the human body, which would be heart attack, stroke, pneumonia, exhaustion, altitude sickness, hypothermia, stuff like that, and one of the biggest ones, falling. I mean... There's a lot of opportunities for you to fall on Everest. Yeah. Um... The upper reaches of the mountain are in the death zone, which is a mountaineering term for altitudes above a certain point that's around 26,000 feet or 8,000 meters or less than, I don't even know what this is, 356 millibars or 5.16 PSI of atmospheric pressure. Um, And this is the area where the oxygen pressure level is not sufficient to sustain human life in the death zone the human body cannot acclimatize as it uses oxygen faster than it can be replenished and an extended stay in the zone without supplementary oxygen will result in a deterioration of bodily functions loss of consciousness and death so just being up there is extremely dangerous for your body if you attempt to summit everest and you get to the point where you're at the summit there's a very small window for you to do your final hike get to the top look around and you have to start going down first of all because it's going to get dark and you have to go during the light and second Mm -hmm. of all because your body will literally just give out on you if you don't get out of the the death zone in uh, a timely fashion bold of you to assume that my body isn't always trying to give out on me you can't even get up to the summit eat a sammy and then like head your way down like i can't even get up the stairs are we kidding yeah so there's no this would kill me uh probably one of the main inspirations for this episode is when i was um i was doing research for something else or i was i was um I was watching a documentary on something else and they talked about this. Um, It's called the Rainbow Valley on Everest. Mm -hmm. I'm not familiar. So due to the difficulties and dangers in bringing bodies off the off the the mountain, most Mm -hmm. who die on the mountain remain where they fall. So to get a body rescued from Everest, you can expect to spend anywhere between $70,000 and $200,000. Yeah, for a group of rescuers to search for the body and carry it down. They have to man they have to carry it down. 
Because helicopters cannot go into the death zone, Sherpas, other guides, or a rescue team have to climb and search for bodies. It is because of this that over 200 bodies remain on the mountain and melting glaciers are revealing even more. I hate that. So this area located in the death zone is referred to as the Rainbow Valley because the bodies are still dressed in their bright blue, red, green, and orange snow jackets. And they dot the landscape below the North Ridge. Anyone who attempts to summit Mount Everest must walk by these bodies on their way up and their way down. Oh my God, I wouldn't do it. I would also be yelled at at my mother if I did not mention that part of the rainbow of this area is due to tons of garbage, literal tons of garbage. Tents, oxygen tanks, other supplies are just all just shed to make the trip easier. So if people don't need to use an oxygen tank anymore, it's empty, they toss it. I will say, I'm sure not everybody, but there is an astounding amount of garbage on Mount Everest. It is very hard to take it down. I think uh, I'll get into um, a documentary later on. I believe that there is a recent documentary of a team of Sherpas who went up to try to get some of the garbage down. Oh, wow. uh, Which is, I think, a hugely noble noble thing to do. Yeah. I think if you're climbing Mount Everest, you should pack in, pack out like any other fucking place you would be climbing. Mm -hmm. Um, Take only memories, leave only footprints. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So... That's that. Now we're going to talk Jesus. about several of the major disasters that have happened on Mount Everest. The first would be the 1970 disaster, um, which happened on April 5th, 1970, when six, six Nepali Sherpas died due to an avalanche in the Kumbu Icefall. The Sherpas were assisting the Japanese skiing expedition, which included Yorochi Mira, uh, the first person to ski down Mount Everest. Oh, shit. Sounds insane. Um, I'm gonna again. I'm gonna butcher these names. I apologize. I looked up as much as I could. Their names uh, of the Sherpas that passed were Mima Norbu, Nima Dorji, Shiring Tarki, Pasang, Kangu Norbu, and Kami Shiring. Another death occurred in the Japanese expedition four days later, where Kaika Shiring was killed by an ice falling from a serac, which is a block of glacial ice formed by intersecting crevasses. Um, it is commonly the size of a house or larger. <gasps> yeah. And it's a piece of ice that is crammed in between like two pieces of like glacier. That That's why it, it gets so dangerous in the ice fall if you go when it starts to warm because like as that glacier is melting slightly in the heat of the sun mm-hmm. it's going to shift and move and pieces are going to break off mm-hmm. and that's what killed several oh of these people oh my god that's horrific um another yeah you're not allowed to become a sherpa no another no. terrible incident was the 1974 french mount everest expedition avalanche on September 9th, 1974, the French expedition went up the West Ridge direct route and resulted in the deaths of six people, one Frenchman and five Sherpas, due to an avalanche. Their names were Gerard Devosa, Lapkang, Sangu uh, Wogal, Pemba Dorji, Nuang Lutuk, and Nima Wachung. Mm. The 1996 Mount Everest disaster is probably one of the uh, most covered, most talked about. Um, 
I had, there's a whole section of different books <laughs> about this, of uh, specific movies, um, documentaries. Mm-hmm. This is like one of the biggest ones. So in 1996, uh, between, between May 10th and 11th, one of the most deadly expeditions to date took place. Um, 1996 overall was the worst season um, up to that point with 15 deaths. There were several contributing factors that led to these deaths. One was overcrowding. At the time, two expedition teams consisting of 19 guides, Sherpas, and clients led by experienced guides Rob Hall of Adventure Consultants and Scott Fisher of Mountain Madness were attempting to summit Everest at around the same time. The teams experienced delays due to issues with ropes and the pace of the climb, which led to a high volume of climbers stuck at the very high altitude of the death zone much later in the day than they planned. The typical turnaround time was 2 p.m., which was the last safe time to get back to Camp 4 before nightfall. But the last climbers didn't start their descent until around 3 p.m. The pace of the climb... Yeah. Well, the pace of the climb was slowed due to inexperienced hikers, which was the second issue. At least five of the 16 clients had no previous experience climbing (gasps) 8,000-meter peaks. Oh, my God. How did it start smaller? Well, they... they had experience climbing, but they didn't have yes. any experience climbing 8,000 meter peaks. Like those, that's what I'm saying. That is Start a very smaller. Spe- yeah, that's a very specific uh, type of mountaineering. Yeah, you don't have to jump up all the way to 8,000 from yeah. whatever your baseline was. Like that's so irresponsible. Not yeah. just for you, but for the people that are guiding you, because that's making. Oh yeah, man, it's slowing everyone down. It's it's not safe. Around 5 p.m., an unexpected storm swept in, which was the third issue bringing high winds, snowfall, and frigid temperatures, which severely hindered visibility and made it difficult for climbers to navigate their way back to safety. Exhausted, disoriented, and facing harsh conditions, the climbers struggled to descend the mountain. Some ran out of supplemental oxygen, while others suffered from frostbite, altitude sickness, and hypothermia. Attempts to rescue stranded climbers were hindered by the extreme conditions and the challenge of navigating the treacherous terrain. Five members of the two expeditions died. Rob Hall, who was one of the expedition leaders mm-hmm. scott fisher who was the other expedition leader <gasps> doug hansen yasuku namba and andrew harold harris separately on the northeast ridge three indo-tibetan border police agents who we'll talk about a, a little bit later also died in the storm Horrible. the 1996 mountain mount everest disaster brought attention to the risks and challenges associated with high altitude mountaineering and it led to discussions about safety protocols the role of commercialization in climbing expeditions the importance of experience and preparedness Mm -hmm. and the need for effective communication and decision making in extreme conditions numerous books like i said documentaries and films have been made about these events um which we'll talk about more in the pop culture section and what i just said is the most um spark note version like the tldr of what this is there is a uh pages long wikipedia article about this that and you can read all of the books and stuff because there are several people that um that survived this expedition and lived to tell their stories wow which i think also um brought lots of the criticism on different aspects of it like the breakdown in communication and and stuff like that um more recently the 2014 avalanche uh, left 16 people dead. 
mm. on April 18th, 2014, Sarex, those unstable blocks of ice yep. on the western spur of Mount Everest failed, resulting in an ice avalanche that killed 16 climbing Sherpas in the Kumbu Icefall. The Sherpas were there to fix ropes and prepare the route for fee-paying climbers for the upcoming season. And this was the same icefall where the 1970 expedition disaster had taken place. Despite most reporting that this was not an avalanche in the usual sense of the word, as there was little snow involved, it was just mainly large blocks of ice, that uh, it behaves much more like a rockfall than an avalanche. Mm. The Sarek was estimated to have been... 34.5 meters or 113 feet thick and had the mass of about 14,300 tons or 31.5 million pounds. Jesus. Yes. Oh my God. John Krakauer wrote it was, quote, the size of a Beverly Hills mansion. Oh my God. That is. Yeah. Like I said, sixteen people nightmare. died in the disaster. It that can you imagine seeing that coming at you? That's that's exactly what I'm thinking about. Which I, I would, would like to honestly stop. rather it be the avalanche. Yes. Yeah. Like just oh my god. Yeah. Oh Thirteen god. bodies were recovered within 48 hours when search and rescue <sighs> operations were called off due to too much risk. Uh. Three victims were still buried in roughly 80 to 100 meters or 260 <gasps> to 330 feet of snow and ice. Oh yeah. my. god god how you how you ever dig that out that's it's impossible oh my god nine other guides were also injured including three who required intensive care hospitalization that's four fatalities where sherpas from nepal's sokumbu district um five were working for discovery channel preparing for an upcoming special in which uh joby ogwin was planning to attempt a base jump from the mountain Oh, my God. No. 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 Stop this. No foreigners were killed in this, which I think is kind of a contributing factor why it was a little less covered than some of the other ones we'll talk about. Yeah. I would agree. Um, According to Mountaineer Tim Ripple, the victims were moving slowly and carrying large, quote, loads of equipment, tents, stoves, oxygen, and so on up to stock camps, end quote, when the avalanche occurred. The Sherpas had started out early in the morning, but were delayed by poor climbing conditions. The second unit crew of the disaster movie Everest, which came out in 2015, which we'll talk about, was filming nearby, (gasps) uh, but suffered no injuries or fatalities. I didn't realize they filmed this on the fucking mountain itself. I didn't realize that. No. No, Um, thanks. Sherpas involved with the film's production gave assistance after the avalanche. In total, the search and rescue team included nine Sherpas and three foreigners. In addition to mandatory insurance policies paying the equivalent of $10,000 to guides' families, which is uh, pennies, the Nepalese government announced compensation of just $400 each as immediate relief to the victims next of kin. Many Sherpas were angered by what they saw as the Nepalese government's meager offerings of compensation to victims' families, which only covered about the cost of the funeral and Mm -hmm. threatened to protest or strike. On April 22nd, the Sherpas announced that they would not work on Everest for the remainder of the 2014 season as a mark of respect for the victims. The names of the victims are Migma Nuru Sherpa, Dorji Sherpa, Nima Sherpa, Aing Tasri Sherpa, Purba Angal Sherpa, Lak- mm-hmm. Lakpa Tenjing Sherpa, Chiring Oching Sherpa, Then Dorji Sherpa, 
Per, Temba, Sherpa, Sang, Karma, Sherpa, Tenzig, Kotis, Kotas, Sherpa, Anja, Sherpa, Pen, Tenji, Sherpa, Ash, Badar, Gurug, Asam, Tangma, Tangmang, and Dorji, Katru. A 2015 documentary called Sherpa explores the reactions to the avalanche after filmmakers were on location when it occurred. It focuses on one man named Purbu Tasi, who, made, who has made 21 Everest ascents. Wow. Which sounds that is... insane. What does that do to your body? I was about to say 21 like... times going into the death zone? That's... Like, they're, I, but they're made different out there though they're 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 born into that that type of environment that the their people have been doing this type of stuff for so long that's why they are like ubiquitous with the mount everest climb is because they're so good at doing this but to have but like oh. to have 16 people die by bringing supplies up for like paying assholes just seems like absolutely not such a waste of life like it's crazy just uh, it's yeah. just it's really it's disappointing because then there's like like that's what they have to do for a living what these people have to do for a living yeah and is, the fact that they got paid i mean obviously money goes farther in different places but to give them the compensation of around four hundred dollars for yeah. that basically Risking just pays for life. a funeral. Yeah, and to have the insurance cover about ten thousand dollars is a joke. Yeah, that's just like that's crazy. It, yeah, it's uh, the last bad expedition we'll talk about is just. The, la the next year after that, the 2015 uh, avalanches. To date, the 2015 earthquake and avalanches that followed is the most deadly disaster that happened on Mount Everest. In the afternoon of April 25th, 2015, a 7.8 earthquake struck Nepal and the surrounding areas. Mount Everest is approximately 140 miles or 220 kilometers east of the epicenter, and between mm -hmm. 700 and 1,000 people were on or near the mountain when the earthquake struck, including 359 climbers at base camp, many of whom had returned after the 2014 season was cut short because of what we just talked about. Right, right. The earthquake triggered several large avalanches on and around the mountain, one avalanche originating in the nearby peak of... Pumori, which is the slightly smaller sister mountain to Everest, that's what Pumori means, sister mountain, um, mm -hmm. swept through base camp, blowing tents across the Kumbu Glacier and into the lower icefall. An Indian Army mountaineering team recovered the bodies of 19 mountaineers from south base camp and 61 other stranded climbers. And there were 359 climbers on the mountain at the time. <laughs> oh, my God. The people in base camp were... At the very least accessible, hundreds of climbers were stuck at much higher elevations, some injured with no secure descent route. Once the avalanches came through the Kumbu Icefall, that, that cuts off your route back down to base camp. So even mm -hmm. if you are at camp two, you're fucked. Damn. Um, 
The next day, after a helicopter successfully transferred 22 climbers to a nearby village, the helicopter was able to make it to Camp 1, which is the first camp above base camp, and get a few people down to safety. It is near impossible that the person that they got to fly that helicopter, they talk about him in another documentary I'll mention, Mm -hmm. um, he seemed like the only crazy guy to try it. Because never before had rescue helicopters been able to make it to those elevations. And it's dangerous because you're flying into the mountains. Like, you got to be really fucking good at flying. And this guy got (sighs) people out. Um, Jesus. Later, they came around again and dropped additional technical gear to a team of Sherpas and expedition leaders that they used to reestablish the route through the Kumbu Icefall. Again, this area is dangerous even in perfect conditions when people are in top physical health. To do this after several avalanches and an earthquake when the entire like section of earth moved and you don't know if stuff in this icefall has moved, that's dangerous. But this attempt failed due to another avalanche that killed a further three Sherpas, bringing the death toll to at least 24. And that's only on the mountain. Uh, there were far, far more fatalities in the Nepalese cities and other surrounding climbing areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, The next day, on April 27th, more people were rescued from base camp, 60 people from Camp 1, and 170 people from Camp 2. On April 28th, a Nepal Mountaineering Association report listed 19 deaths, of which 10 were identified as Nepalese Sherpas and five foreign climbers. Their names include Pemba Sherpa, Dawa Tessering Sherpa, Chimi Dawa Sherpa, Pemba Yishi Sherpa, Pasang Temba Sherpa, Lakpa Cheering Sherpa, Jangba Sherpa, Shiva Kumar Shethra, Tenzing Boti, Renu Fotar, Krishna Kuru, uh, sorry, Krishna Kumar Rai, Myla Rai, Vin Turong, Marissa Eve Girawag, Tom Taplin and Dan Friedenberg and Friedenberg was actually a Google exec who was climbing Everest with three other employees to map out the area for a future Google earth type project. That's wild. I, isn't that crazy? Yeah. I, I don't know how I would have known that, but still like that's, that's nuts. Yeah. In, uh, what I feel again, I'm not a mountaineer, But what I feel is extremely poor taste, a handful of mountaineers immediately sought permission from the Nepalese government for permission to continue their summit attempts and were granted to do so on April 29th, not even a week after the disaster. Mm. Tulsi Gutam, the chief of the Nepal Department of Tourism, said, quote, the ladders will be repaired in the next two or three days and climbing will continue. There is no reason for anyone to quit their expedition. There is no scientific reason to expect another quake. And we feel the ground is stable enough for climbing despite aftershocks, end quote. Mm. There was a second earthquake on May 12th of that year. And as a result, no one climbed Everest that spring, which was the first time that that happened in 41 years. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, I'm going to say if uh, over 20 people die on the mountain, maybe don't immediately start fighting to get up there. Yeah, like just maybe don't. For safety and respect, I don't know. 
Yeah. Uh, but now yeah. we're going to talk about, unfortunately, there are some uh, more um, famous deaths and famous bodies that are still uh, on the mountain. Okay. Um, there famous is... bodies. That's not a word that I thought I'd be hearing, or phrase, I guess, that I thought I'd be hearing yeah. today. Yeah, and the that's... first... The first is probably like one of the main inspirations for this episode, and that's the body of Green Boots. And although officially uh, officially unidentified, it is believed that the body known as Green Boots is that of Indian hiker Teswang Paljor. During his childhood, he was described as having a gentle and compassionate nature while remaining reserved and often kept to himself. Mm. He was the eldest son in a struggling family and felt the responsibility to support them, prompting him to leave school after the 10th grade. Wow. Raised in Ladka, a mountain village, typically boys ended formal education around 8th grade to seek work. Many pursued driving, tourism, or the army. Soon mm-hmm. after leaving school, he chose to join the Indo-Tibetan Border Police, the ITBT, sorry, ITBP, which was an organization that specialized in high-altitude operations. His mother, Tashi Angmo, fully supported his choice. In 1996, mm-hmm. an elite climbing ex. Uh, elite climbing team from the ITBP was formed to summit Mount Everest, and Teswang was selected as a member. Despite his mother's pleas not to go, he continued as he believed that summoning Everest would benefit the family. Uh, mm-hmm. He was an experienced climber and loved the challenge to climb uh, pretty much anything. Unfortunately, he and his two teammates lost their lives in the 1996 tragedy, and for over two decades, his body remained in a small alcove just below the summit via the North Ridge. The presence of green boots on Everest has become an important symbol for climbers attempting to summit the mountain. The body is a reminder of the dangers of climbing Everest and the importance of being prepared for the harsh conditions on the mountain. Additionally, the body acts as kind of a mile marker for many on the north side of the mountain what yeah the story i of hate green that boots, yeah <laughs> like what the story of green boots has also had an impact on the climbing community it has become a cautionary tale often discussed among climbers and his death has been used as an example of the dangers of climbing everest and the tale was reignited in 2006 when the next person we're going to talk about died and that is david sharp so exactly two decades after Green Boots' death in 1996, 34-year-old British man David Sharp met a similar fate in the exact same cave and sparked major controversy in the mountaineering community. For his summit attempt, David went with a low-budget Nepali guide firm that only provided support up to base camp, after which the climbers would go as a quote-unquote loose group, offering a high degree of independence. For reference on how sketchy this place was, I don't have the exact name of it, but um, when they went through David Sharp's possessions, they found a receipt for $7,490, which they believe to be the whole financial cost of his expedition. And uh, I don't know if you remember earlier, but I typically said that an expedition would cost around $120,000. He paid under eight thousand dollars whoa yeah so that's how sketchy this is oh and i don't this is not a good this is like when you you pay like 150 dollars for like filler 
that's yeah. supposed to be like $1,500, you know you're going to walk out looking like a duck. Yeah, if you're paying like under $100 for a tattoo, no, you better, you better look at how that ages. Yeah, you better look at that needle. Yeah. Um. Yeah, <laughs> that just God. blew my mind. So the manager at David's Guide Support said that David did not take enough oxygen for his summit attempt and did not oh. have a Sherpa guide. As yeah, a result, well, there you go. Yeah, that's, David fell victim to hypothermia and sought shelter <sighs> in the cave where Green Boots's body was located. Oh. Around forty other climbers passed by him. Sadly, many climbers didn't assist because they confused him with Green Boots, or they had assumed that he was already dead. No. <gasps> When it was finally realized that David needed aid, it was too late, and his death further highlighted the harsh reality of the unforgiving mountain environment. Oh, that's so sad. Yes. Not just in terms of physical demands, but also as humans, as climbers get left behind to die in hopes of a summit bid. Following the Sharps family wishes, David's body was relocated the year later. So... Lots of bodies, like I said, can't be removed from the mountain, but they can be sometimes relocated to a place where it's not as viewable. Oh. Yeah. God, so there's another just... there's another theory that the man known as Green Boots is uh Dorji Morup. And this theory was proposed by the Indian ascent of Kamalangma, which is the Tibetan name for Everest, meaning holy mother. By the North Ridge, which is an article by P.M. Das from 1997. Das reports P.M. Please yes. excuse my dear Aunt Sally. Oh my God. P.M. Das. I hated das, you in school. <laughs> das reported sighting two climbers descending with torches about 7.30 p.m., but they soon disappeared from view. The next day, the second summit group leader radioed encountering more up between the first and second steps struggling with his frostbitten hands to unclip his safety carabiner a japanese Damn. team helped him transition to the next rope section unexpectedly the japanese group found paljor's body above the second step on their return they saw more up progressing slowly possibly succumbing to death late on may 11th das maintains that oh, wow. they never found paljor's body in another Shit. encounter, and a second ITBP group found Paljor and Morup's bodies during their descent, and Morup was found under a boulder close to Camp 6, intact clothing and rucksack nearby. This prompts speculation that the enduring figure known as Green Boots, often thought to be Paljor, might actually be Georgie Morup. Green Boots was uh, not seen between... 2014 and 2017 on the climb from the north ridge but in 2017 the body reappeared now surrounded by more rocks the body remains in the same location and like i said has become kind of a, a mile marker to gauge proximity to the summit right wow that's yes damn um the next person is hannah oh Lord. great there's more <laughs> there's more there's uh there's two more Okay. Oh, this There's is so sad. Why are you Hannah starting my, Laura my year Schmutz. off with the depression? Oh, I'm sorry. Say start again. with all fun times. I don't have fun times. I'm in therapy. <laughs> my next, my next main episode. When I do my next main episode, it's going to be a fun time. So just okay. be prepared. You're for a that. fun time for what it's worth. Thanks for a fun time. Call Haley. This body is known as the German woman. 
Um, oh. On October 2nd, 1979, Hanelore Schmatz and her husband, Gerhard? Gerhard? Uh, G-E-R-H-A-R-D. They're German. Gerhard. Um, it would probably be Gerard. Gerhard. Is it? I don't know. Yeah. He was the leader of the expedition. At age 50, was the oldest man to summit Everest. The, w- um, the, the what? The oldest man to summit Everest. Oh, okay. That's not what I heard. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, they were on an expedition with six climbers and five Sherpas via the Southeast Ridge Route. Hanalor was the fourth woman ever to summit Everest and the first to die on the mountain. Although they made their way up to the top, they got stuck during the descent. Others reached no. the base camp successfully, but Hanalor and American climber Ray Gennett could not make it back to the base camp due to a snowstorm and they were forced to spend the night in the death zone. Oh <gasps> yes. no. During the night, Ray Gennett passed away due to hypothermia. <sighs> Hanalor and Sungdare Sherpa, the guy that had stayed with them had survived the night, but were exhausted from the extreme cold and tiredness on their descent. Hanalor fell on her back, said water, water and died. Oh my Sungdare God. Stayed with her body and lost most of his fingers and toes as a result. <gasps> What yeah. a oh my god, these Sherpas are not paid enough. No, definitely not. Like at what about, a wonderful person to do that though. Yeah. At about twenty seven thousand two hundred feet or eighty three hundred meters high in the air, Hanalor Schmatz's body remained preserved in ice and has been seen by climbers who passed by. She was frozen in a sitting position, her eyes remained open, and ah! her hair flying in the in the breeze. No, she was only 330 feet or 100 meters above the next camp. <gasps> no! Yes. In 1981, Sungdare Sherpa um, was the guide for another group. He had no. refused at first due to losing his fingers and toes Fair. during the 1979 totally expedition, but was paid extra by climber Chris Kapotsky. During his climb down, they passed by Hanalor's body. Kapotsky was shocked, thinking it was tent, and stated, quote, We did <gasps> not touch it. I could see she had her watch her, her watch on. Still. Oh, my God. End quote. Strong winds drifted her body away, um, but she still lies in the Rainbow Valley on Everest. In oh 1984, God. a policeman, uh, Yongdra Bahadar Tapa, was with his team, led an expedition to recover her uh, body, but unfortunately the Nepalese police expedition failed um, when uh, young Dara fell to his death. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, The last one we'll talk about is the body of Sleeping Beauty. Mm. And this is of uh, Francis Arsentiv. Uh, Francis was born on January 18th, 1958 in Honolulu, Hawaii. At the age of six, her father took her to the Colorado mountains where she fell in love with climbing. In 1992, she married Sergei Arsentiev, and together they climbed many Russian peaks, including the first ascent of peak 5,800 meters, uh, which they named Peak Goodwill, as well as... um, Denali in Alaska via the West Buttress Trail. Frances became the first U.S. woman to ski down Mount Elbrus, Elbrus, which is the highest peak in Russia and Europe, and she summited its east and west peaks. 
By this time, she had developed an interest in becoming the first woman to summit Everest without the use of supplemental oxygen. On May 17th, 1998, she and Sergei started the ascent from advanced base camp uh, to the North Call route. Over the next several days, their group made it up to Camp 6 at 27,000 feet, or 8,203 meters, and they were to attempt the summit on May 20th. They started the summit attempt, but were forced to turn around when their headlamps failed. They made another attempt the next day, but only made it to about 300 feet or 100 meters before being forced to turn around again. Mm. They made one last attempt on May 22nd due to the absence of oxygen supplementation at such a high altitude. The two moved very slowly and summited dangerously late in the day. As a result, they were forced to spend yet another night above 8,000 meters in the death zone. During the course of the evening, they became separated. Sergei made his way down to the camp the following morning, only to find that his wife had not yet arrived. No! Realizing that she had to be somewhere dangerously high up on the mountain, he set off to find her, carrying oxygen and medicine. Details of what happened next are uncertain, but the most plausible account suggests that on the morning of May 23rd, Francis encountered the Uzbek team that was climbing the final few hundred meters to the summit. She appeared to be half-conscious, affected by oxygen deprivation and frostbite. She was unable to move on her own. They attended to her with oxygen and carried her down as far as they could until they were depleted of their own oxygen. They had become too fatigued to continue the effort. At this point, Francis was still alive. As the (sighs) Uzbek climbers made their way down uh, to the camp for the evening, they encountered Sergei on his way back up to find her, and this was the last time he was seen alive. On the morning of May 24th, Britain, Ian Woodall, South African Kathy O'Dowd, and several more Uzbeks encountered Francis Arzentiv when uh, they were on their way to the summit. She was found where she had been left the evening before. Sergei Arsentiev's ice axe and rope was identified nearby, but he was nowhere to be found. Jesus. Both Woodall and O'Dowd called off their own summit attempts and tried to help Francis for more than an hour, but because of her poor condition, the perilous location, and the freezing weather, they were forced to abandon her and descent to the camp. She died as they found her lying on her side, still clipped into the guide rope. She was just 40 years old, and left behind one son. Oh. And her corpse has had the nickname Sleeping Beauty. The mysterious disappearance of her husband was solved the following year when Jake Norton, a member of the 1999 Mallory and Irvine expedition, discovered Sergei's body lower on the mountain face, apparently dead from a fall while attempting to rescue his wife. No. Oh, yeah. my God. And, and so they left. Yeah, they left behind a child. Francis's body was visible to climbers for nine years until Ian (gasps) Woodall led an expedition in 2007 called the Tau of Everest with the pursuit with the purpose of burying the bodies of Francis and Green Boots. On May 23rd, 2007, nearly nine years after she died after a nine years to the day after she had died after a brief ritual, Woodall was able to drop her body lower uh, out of the face of the mountain. Uh, out of the view of the hiking route. He was not able to get to Green Boots' body at that time. Damn. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's the bummer of Mount Everest. If any, if you or someone you know has climbed Mount Everest, let us know. I have a, a cousin that made it to base camp. Oh. Yeah. That's exciting. 
Yeah. I, I don't would... know if I don't know if he attempted to do a summit or like his goal was to do base camp, which is a fine would... goal. Yeah, I would I would keep the goal to base camp personally. Yeah. yeah, that's like that's a hard that's like weeks of of hiking. Yeah. Like that's, that's enough. crazy. Yeah. That's enough. Uh, now I'm going to talk about all of the pop culture. I have so much pop culture, guys. There is so much. If you are interested at all in Mount Everest, <laughs> I have some good news for you. There's been some <laughs> books about it. We're going to talk no, about it. No, really? There's several, several uh, books about uh, the 1996 disaster. Most popularly, though, is Into Thin Air, a personal account of the Mount Everest disaster by John Krakauer. Oh, yeah. Um, it has a 4.23 out of 5 on Goodreads with Jeez. almost half a million ratings. <gasps> wow. But this might sour you a little bit. Krakauer mm. was criticized by Hall's widow for publishing their last conversation. Hall's radio transmission from the summit ridge was patched through and connected to his wife at home. The transcript of Hall's final conversation with his wife was reprinted in Krakauer's book. That's oh. That's pretty fucked up. Yeah, at first I thought you were saying... Krakauer and Hall's last conversation. I was no, like, Krakauer, oh, Hall's no, final conversation with his wife. Yeah, yeah. that's worse. Yeah, that's much worse. That. Let's not do that. Yeah, uh, like the you've next... got a you've got a fascinating story here. You don't need. Yeah, you survived a fucking avalanche on Mount Everest. Like, yeah, you don't, you need, don't to... need any of that extra. Like, yeah, come on now. Next is the climb, tragic ambitions on Everest by another survivor and Tolly Brokeev. Brookreef. Uh it has a 3.97 out of 5 on Goodreads. Um another survivor, Beck Weathers, wrote Left for Dead, My Journey Home from Everest. It has a 3.61 out of 5 on Goodreads. Weathers was Left for Dead about 900 feet or 275 meters from Camp 4. After spending a night on the mountain, Weathers managed to make it back to Camp 4 with massive frostbite and vision impairment due to snow blindness. When he arrived, fellow climbers considered his condition terminal and left him in a tent to die overnight. <gasps> Weathers' condition had not improved and an immediate descent to a lower elevation was deemed essential. A helicopter rescue was out of the question. Camp 4 was much higher than the rated ceiling of any available helicopter. Weathers was lowered to Camp 2, and eventually a helicopter rescued was organized thanks to the Nepali army. That's just, like, again, the spark-noted version of that story. Read the book. It's insane. That's wild. Yeah. Um, next, another survivor, Climbing High, a woman's account of surviving the Everest tragedy by Lenny Gamelgard. Uh, it has a 3.49 out of 5 on Goodreads. Then we have After the Wind, the 1996 Everest Tragedy One Survivor Story by Lou Kasiki. Uh 3.93 out of 5 on Goodreads. A Day to Die For, 1990. There's a lot of like uh, colons in this. It's A Day to Die For, colon, 1996, colon, Everest Worst Disaster, dash, one survivor's, one survivor's personal journey to uncover the truth. So lots of subtitles on this one. Uh, by Graham Ratcliffe it is a 3.72 out of 5 on Goodreads. Uh, the Other Side of Everest, Climbing the North Face Through the Killer Storm by Matthew Dickinson, 3.92 out of 5. Uh, Mountain Madness, Scott Fisher, Mount Everest, and A Life Lived on High by Robert Berkby, uh, which has a 4.12 out of 5 on Everest. And this is about the life adventures and death of Scott Fisher from the 1996 expedition and then there's also um everest 96 by ken vernon 
with a 3.91 out of 5 on Goodreads. I didn't get into descriptions on all these because they're basically all telling the story of climbing and descending Mount Everest. Mm. So that's that. Uh, there's a couple of books about the 2015 disaster specifically. Um, the first being the next Everest surviving the mountain's deadliest day and finding the resilience to climb again by Jim Davidson, which has a four point one one out of five on Goodreads. Davidson was stranded on Everest for two days after surviving the 2015 earthquake and avalanches that followed. The book is less about the disaster and more about how he overcame his fear and made the summit two years later. Yeah. Which is huge. The next is Shook, an Earthquake, a Legendary Mountain Guide, and Everest's Deadliest Day by Jennifer Hall, which is uh, it has a 4.02 out of 5 on Goodreads. And this book tells the story of the legendary climber David Hahn's expedition during the 2015 earthquake. Mm. Um, then we have just general um, Everest books. Dark Summit, The True Story of Everest's Most Controversial Season by Nick Heal. 3.94 out of 5 on Goodreads, and that tells the story of the 2006 season, which was really, really bad. Um, Dead Lucky, Life After Death on Mount Everest by Lincoln Hall, with a 3.86 out of 5 on Goodreads. Hall attempted to climb during the 2006 season, where 11 people died. Uh, he was pronounced dead on May 25th <gasps> after collapsing from altitude sickness. Two oh Sherpas God. spent hours attempting to revive him, but had to give up because it be it became dark and they themselves needed to find safety. Oh, the news wow. of Halls's death traveled rapidly from mountaineering websites to news media around the world and ultimately back to his family in Australia. Early the next morning, however, an American guide climbing with two clients and a Sherpa were startled to find Hall sitting cross-legged on a sharp what? crest of the summit ridge. He was also part of Australia's first summit attempt in 1984, but had to do back, turn back due to his own illness. Again, another crazy book. You just have to like some of these. What like, in the? You think like every personal account of climbing Everest is just going to be like, yeah, they climbed this very terrifying mountain and then climb back down. But each yeah. one is just insane. What? Um, the third pole mystery obsession and death on mount everest by mark sennett uh 4.16 out of 5 on goodreads veteran climber sennett's everest expedition to summit the mountain in the spring of 2019 on the trek he was looking to solve the mystery of the mallory irvine 1924 disappearance disappearance mm -hmm. like i said they were the the two that maybe reached the summit first right um Ascent into Hell by Fergus White, which is a 4.48 out of 5 on Goodreads. And White tells the story day by day of his expedition to the summit. He also wow. describes the inner workings of making, of like what makes a trip to the summit, like what you have to do and stuff. Yeah. Um, the Mountain, My Time on Everest by Ed Vestris. Uh, 3.98 out of 5 on Goodreads. And um, Vest... Vestris, I think is how you say his name. He's a veteran world-class climber. He is the only American to have climbed all 14 of the world's 8,000-meter peaks. I guess by the time of this book's publication in 2013, I don't know if that's still true, if he's the only person. He has gone on 11 expeditions on Everest and has reached the summit seven times. In the book, he details personal accounts of his various expeditions, as well as shedding some light on some of the most famous mysteries and tragedies on the mountain. Mm-hmm. The last book I'm going to talk about is The Lost Explorer, Finding Mallory on Mount Everest by Conrad Anker and David Roberts. It is a 4.05 out of 5 on Goodreads. 
1999, climber Conrad Anker discovered Mallory's body on Everest and helped solve one of the greatest mysteries in the history of adventure and exploration. In The Lost Explorer, Anker and historian David uh, Roberts craft the dramatic account of the expedition of 1924 and 1999 and ultimately capture the passion and spirit of two men driven to test themselves against nature in it's most brutal. I don't know how true this one is because I was led to believe that Mallory's body was never found. Right. So I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know about that one. I, yeah, I got no idea. I got nothing, honestly. I got nothing. Uh, but now to some movies and documentaries before I get us the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, first, obviously, Into Thin Air, Death on Everest, based on Krakauer's book. Came out in 1997, has a 38% audience score but a on Rotten Tomatoes, but a 76% Google score and a 5.7 out of 10 on IMDb. And again, it's the dramatization of the 1996 Everest expedition based on the book. Um, it stars Peter Horton, um, who directed and produced a bunch of TV. He was in Children of the Corn, uh, okay. the Babysitters Club. Oh, who was he in Babysitters Club? I don't know if he was just a producer or director of it. I don't oh, know. Maybe. Uh, then we have Nathaniel know. Parker, who was in a production of Hamlet from 1990 and Othello from 1995. So major Whoa. shakespearean actor we got here he's an actor <laughs> christopher mcdonald who was in spy kids too the decom oh? lemonade mouth the <gasps> iron giant wait a minute uh a million, the iron other, giant. a million other things yes and literally my least favorite movie of all time requiem for a dream yeah that movie um, is one that you can never watch again after you've seen it it's too no, much fuck me up. it's it's uh, Oof. We also have Richard Jenkins, who was in The Cabin in the oh. Woods, Bone Tomahawk, The Shape of Water, and who played Lionel Dahmer in Monster Dahmer, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. the whatever the that Jeremy Ryan Renner. Murphy. No, the Ryan Murphy no. series. Oh, 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 that yeah. one. The oh, who's Monster in that? Dahmer. What's his name? The, Evan Peters. Yes. Jeremy Renner. Um, he also played him, but damn. I'm losing yes. my touch. <laughs> then we have Jeff Perry, who was in Inventing Anna. Remember we talked about that bitch? Yes, with um, Anna Delvey. Yes, also in Scandal, Grey's Anatomy, and a guest star on a million popular shows in the 90s. Uh, you Good. can watch this movie on Amazon Prime Video. Then we have Everest from 1998. 93% Rotten Tomatoes score, 75% audience score, 84% Google score, and 7 out of 10 on IMDb. So, like, one of the most highly rated ones. Yeah. Um, it is the dramatic true story of a team of climbers who found hope, strength, and triumph in the wake of tragedy. Their successful ascent of Mount Everest just days after fellow mountaineers and friends died there is a compelling story about the human spirit, a mountain they love and respect and sometimes fear. Hmm. Um, Liam Neeson is the narrator. Oh, shit. It's a documentary. Uh, it was released in IMAX and was the highest grossing IMAX film of all time. And maybe still is. I couldn't really find that information. Uh oh, out. wow. Yeah. Can you imagine? That's the way you have to see a Mount Everest film is in yes, IMAX. Is like, in you don't, IMAX. You don't understand it any other way. Prefer like your brain needs that. at an aquarium. Yeah. Your brain needs that fucking size to like get it. Um, then we have The Dark Side of Everest from 2003. I don't really have any uh, like stats for it, but the description is in the last five decades, nearly 10,000 men and women have tried to climb Mount Everest. Less than 500 have succeeded. Those that do are granted new views of the world and of themselves. But for every 60 climbers that leave base camp 
in an average season, only four will reach the summit and two will die. Why is it that so few make it to the top? The answers lie in the struggle with the elements. And this is a documentary. Some places said that it was from 2003. Others places said 1970. So I don't really understand that. But you can watch it on Freevee. Oh, So okay. check that out. The Dark Side of Everest. Um, then we have Remnants of Everest, the 1996 tragedy. It's also norn- known as Storm Over Everest. That's from 2007. It has a 90% on uh, Google um, and a 7.9 out of 10 on IMDb. Documentary filmmakers and world-renowned rock climber David Breeshears recreates the tragic circumstances that result in eight deaths on Mount Everest in May of 1996. On location at the time of the brutal storm shooting a movie, Breeshears uses his personal experience and insights to document the tragedy, accumulating objective accounts from survivors, and also restaging the ferocity and vicious power of the storm, a spectacle which awes the audiences with the forgiving fury of nature at its extreme ends and you can watch this on plex we've talked about plex oh we've talked about plex yes then we also have um there's a tv show called seconds from disaster season six episode five is titled into the death zone um and this is from 2012 the show itself has a 97 percent google score and a 7.6 out of 10 on imdb um the description for the show is that advanced computer graphics forensic science eyewitness accounts interviews with experts archival footage and reenactments pieced together in great details in great detail the events that led to some of the biggest disasters of modern time um there's other episodes that um talk about specifically chernobyl jonestown waco 9-11 but this episode season six episode five into the death zone is about Mount Everest. And you can watch mm. that also on Plex. Oh. And the last movie we will talk about is the most recent, obviously. Um, this is Everest from 2015. It has a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes, 68% audience score, 75% Google score, and a 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb. The critics' consensus is, quote, Everest boasts all the dizzying cinematography a person could hope to get out of a movie about mountain climbers even if it's content even if it's content to tread less challenging narrative terrain end quote Mm -hmm. Uh, the description is on the morning of may 10th 1996 climbers from two expeditions start their final ascent towards the summit of mount everest the highest point on earth with little warning a violent storm strikes the mountain engulfing the adventures in one of the bit one of the fiercest blizzards ever encountered by man challenged by the harshest conditions imaginable. The team must endure blistering winds and freezing temperatures in an epic battle to survive against nearly impossible odds. And this was the movie that was filming when, um, that ice fall happened and all of those Sherpas passed away in the, the Kumbu ice fall. Oh, um, the cast includes Jason Clark, who was in oh. Zero Dark Thirty, Oppenheimer, and Winchester, amongst other things. Again, when I talk about like past projects of cast members, I'm either going to pull out specifically horror-related things mm-hmm. to make it work for us, stuff I immediately recognize, or just a couple of the top hits. Um, we also have Josh Brolin, who was in yeah. No Country for Old Men, Milk, True Grit, Avengers Endgame, Barbara John Hawks. 
Yes. <laughs> John Hawks, who was in Deadwood, Winter's Bone, which is a movie I loved. Mm-hmm. And Lincoln, Robin Wright, who... Oh. Um, the Princess Bride, which is her Buttercup. first movie. Yeah, her yes. first movie, according to Rotten Tomatoes. Yes, insane. yes, it was. She was like just plucked out of... Yeah. I believe she was doing like soaps or something. I Listen, As I'm obsessed wish. with that movie. I'm obsessed with her. Uh, she was also in Moneyball and Wonder Woman. Emily and, Watson, oh, go ahead. who was in The Dresser... Uh, King Lear, who I wrote Kind Lear. What the fuck did I do? The Theory of Everything and The Corpse Bride. Michael Kelly in Dawn of the Dead, Changeling, and Black Mirror. Kira Knightley. Yeah. Love Actually, Pirates of the Caribbean, Pride and Prejudice, obviously. Sam Being Worthington, who was in <laughs> Hacksaw Ridge, Avatar, Under the Banner of Heaven, which we talked about. Mm-hmm. We have talked about Martin him. Martin Henderson, who was in The Ring, X, The Strangers sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, Elizabeth de becky her name yes who's in guardians of the galaxy two and three the crown mm-hmm. and maxine um and jake gyllenhaal do you recognize that, that name donnie darko zodiac he has Brooke a scarf Garden. or had one yeah had one if he had one a little bit of trivia about the movie the remake it's pretty much a remake of um into thin air which is oh, the john krakauer yeah, the, yes, story yeah yes like we had mentioned before parts were filmed on location on everest um and on april 18th 2014 while the second unit crew was shooting the remaining scenes of the film at camp two um the avalanche struck that killed 16 sherpa guides Mm. um which was actually more dangerous than the 1996 disaster on which the film was based the sherpas were carrying supplies to camps in advance of the start of the summer climbing season which we talked about there were no injuries or fatalities um, affecting the film crew the production was not present where the disaster took place but were filming nearby and obviously filming had to be postponed because of Uh, most of the radio calls are lifted verbatim from the real calls sent um on the mountain on that day John Krakauer came out against the film, particularly the scene in which his character refuses to help and totally broke his team with search and rescue. Krakauer told the Los Angeles Times, quote, I never had that conversation. Anatoly came to several tents and not even Sherpas could go out. No one came to my tent and asked, end quote. Director Balthasar Kumakur said that the scene was intended to, quote, illustrate how helpless people were and why they might not have been able to go out and rescue people, end quote. Right. Uh, but I, I can understand how that gets iffy when you're, like, trying to base it on someone's actual life and then you're kind of implying that that person never tried to help anybody. Right. Like, that's kind of fucked up. Inventa's a, a, a separate character at that point. Yeah, Inventa's a um, big person. So you can watch this, you can rent it on Amazon Prime Video, Apple TV, Google Play, YouTube, Redbox, Vudu, you know, like the usual places you could rent shit. There's also an entire separate Wikipedia article about all depictions of Mount Everest in pop culture. Um, oh? Uh, to name a few, there is an opera by Joby <gasps> Talbot called Everest. There is an Everest VR video game. And then... One that you'll probably know, and that most of our listeners will probably know, Expedition Everest, which is a roller mm-hmm. coaster in mm-hmm. Animal Kingdom. At the time it was built, it was the most expensive roller coaster ever built. Oh shit! Yes. Fun fact: I've never um, been on it. I have also never been on it. We <laughs> the day go on it. The day I went to Animal Kingdom, I think I, I think it was like 
like my marching band performed it at, at Disney um, when I was in high school and we got to go to all the parks. And I think the day That's we nice. went to animal kingdom was the day after we had a full day in another park. So I had blisters that like, I just be, I needed to sit down like the whole day pretty much. Yeah. So like, I didn't really go on too many rides that day. I was kind of like down for the count, but I watched people go on expedition Everest and it was fun. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's, I'm sorry. I literally, I didn't have the energy to stand in a line anymore. You don't deserve that. We will go. Yeah. But, uh, we've been talking for so long, but before we leave, I want to talk about my palate cleanser. Yes. My palate cleanser. First of the year. First of the year is um, the comedian Daniel Sloss. More specifically, his latest special, Socio. You can get it on his website. I think it's just danielsloss.com. But if you uh, need a little prep before paying for something like that, if you have Netflix, his two specials, Dark and Jigsaw, are on there. Both are absolutely fantastic. And um, he has another special on HBO called X. That is fantastic as well. I think I prefer Dark, Jigsaw, and X over Socio, but Socio was really, really funny. We, okay. Ellie and I watched it the other night. We were, like, laughing our heads off. It was so good. Oh, I'm so, into that. Definitely a good, like, laughing palate cleanser. <laughs> yes, we need he, that. He's also, he's also got bonus points because he's, um, I think he's scottish not irish yeah he's scottish um so he's got the accent so like half the laughs are coming from like the accent he's saying saying things oh yeah (laughs) no he's very easy to understand it's very helpful but like the the accent really helps it's good okay um yeah so that's daniel sloss s-l-o-s-s yeah um so go check that out it's the it's the end of the first episode of the year yeah yeah I can't believe it. I can't believe it. If you want more from us, oh, why yes. would you? But if you do. Yeah, who wouldn't? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, where you just search crime culture. We're on all those things. Or you could check the bio of like any of any one of our social medias. And um, we have a link tree that will lead you to everything else. We also have a Patreon for as little as a dollar as much as whatever you want you can support us and get cool rewards along the way some of those being a postcard um you can vote on episodes that we talk about which will come out at the end of each month um you can video chat with us um but you don't need to do any of that if you want to join our discord um you just have to message us on any of our social media asking for the link to the discord and you will be able to join our little group. We post spoiler alerts. Um, we show pictures of our pets. We share good news with each other. Some arts and crafts. Uh, we have a, a good little group in there. And it's a we fun do. time. We do. So, That's my one of my New Year's resolutions is to continue check. with my therapy, overcome my social anxiety. No, I lurk. Yeah. I fully we have a lurk. Bunch, oh, we have a bunch of lurkers. If, you, if you're lurking and you want to uh, chime in with anything... We're a nice group. You don't have to. You don't have to be scared. I'm um, scared. I'm always scared. So, but if you're if you're also scared, you're not alone. Yeah, you're half alone. of us it's are fine. scared. You're allowed to. Work. I just. It's, I'm afraid. I'm afraid no of pressure. like doing the wrong thing. So I don't want to like. I I just I like to support from afar, but I'm like Roz from Monsters Inc. where I'm always watching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No pressure for anything. Um. 
But yeah, that's our Discord. And do you have anything else? Um, be nice. Okay. Go go. If it's it's a big like. We just came out of a big celebratory season, so like, go make sure that you're a taking care of yourself, but then also just like, if you're feeling a little sick, try to stay away from other people. Like, yeah, just wear maybe, a mask. Maybe, maybe don't. Yeah, wear a mask. Drink give, a little bit more distance, water. Drink your water. Take your vitamins. Green. Eat something green. I know that the gym Smoke parking lot green. is a hellhole right now. Try yeah. to push through anyway. You also don't um, need a gym membership to live a healthy you lifestyle. You can walk around your block. You can uh, do. Do you know how many free um, YouTube workout classes there are? It's true. That you don't need any type of equipment for that. You could just do that shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So not that you need it to be a new year to like make a resolution. I think resolutions are like. The, they're setting you up for failure a little bit, but yeah, um, yeah. I mean, if you're trying, if if a uh, healthy lifestyle was one of your resolutions, and you wanted to um, try to do it in a more sustainable, cheaper, um, kind to yourself way, then do something like that. Yeah, you don't and need also, to, you don't need to join a gym. You're fine. You don't need to join a gym. You don't need a resolution. You can. I'm a firm believer in mantras instead like something that you just try to keep in mind for that year like we've talked about don't yuck each other's yum yeah um last year i'm carrying into this year was um everything works out for me yeah just like i'm lucky every about, day. Haley's, yeah. Haley's eyes almost rolled into the back of her head voluntarily no. but Haley, it worked out for me it did everything works out for you everything works out for me we talked about this at the end of the last episode, kind of things we're trying to keep in mind. My um, friend group from home that I've been friends with mm -hmm. since we were like little kids, um, we'll try to like, um, we usually try to get together towards the end of the year, like around Christmas, yeah. New Year's time, and um, write down like one word that we're trying to like bring into the next year. Yeah, I like that. What was your word? And then, and then try to like expand upon it. Mine if you don't was... My my one friend's was create, which I really liked. Ooh. Create, create art, create safe spaces, create opportunities, create like a bunch of stuff, which I really liked his. Mine, I wasn't think. I'm trying to think of the word because I talked about at the end of last episode that I want to be like more present and more uh, in the moment. So I don't know Same. how to like distill that down into like one word. I guess present. Yeah, I would say yeah. so yeah i like that one but yeah so that's just like if that helps you keep one word in mind write it down put it on your phone put it on your computer yeah. chair like your desk and so you look Tattoo at it all the time it to your forehead yeah why not anyway this is a long one <laughs> this Happy was a long New one Year. it was a fun one starting was off on fun? a good note no but i was trying was to make you feel good i was trying to make you feel good I was it just was very to... interesting to research. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I think it's good to like give these people like we had touched on it earlier in the episode that like a, a lot of these cases involving the Sherpas maybe weren't as publicized because there weren't people from quite frankly like white countries. Yeah, there were foreigners involved. Yeah. And the fact that and... I didn't know until 
doing like doing research for this episode that a sherpa was not the name of a mountain guide it was the name of a a yeah. group of people yeah um yeah people need to know these that. are things people <laughs> should know yeah but exactly yeah. they're things people should know and who knows maybe we have stopped some people from making their new year's resolution climb mount everest yeah <laughs> just just yeah. just if you gotta do they it they got that vr game yeah if you gotta do it make sure you're doing it safely sustainably and um you're not willing to put other people's lives at risk for something that you just want the pat on the back for yeah um but just be kind be kind kind. yeah pet your cat pet your cat pet your what are your your pets oh yeah i gotta do that and we will see you next tuesday